Mm-hmm. Okay, hello friends. Welcome to Two Peas in a Podcast. This is our social impact of creative interventions episode, and I am your host, Jermaine Jenkins, Chief Farm Officer at Fresh Future Farm. <laughs> Be serious now, this is important. Okay. If you're interested in the work we've done at our North Charleston, South Carolina urban farm, this podcast, podcast, pod, podcast, will be an extension of that effort. We will talk with local, national, and even international experts about the politics of food and social justice from a grassroots perspective. Yes. Yes. Yay. Um, today, you will meet my friend, Janelle Logan, Executive Director of the League of Creative Interventionists. And I have to tell y'all, every time when um, Janelle first told me about it, I just wanted to say League of Extraordinary Gentlemen so many times, but we are talking with her about the League of Creative Interventionists, yes. which is extraordinary people. People, And uh, Janelle is my longtime sister friend, artist diva from Brooklyn, who lives and kicks butt in North Carolina right now. Yes. So um, Janelle, Hi. thank you for being on this episode. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I'm so glad we're together here in um in Kiowa Island. The island. Yeah, we'll 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 talk about grassroots work with this golf course. I know. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's a little bit of like a a contrast. Bourgeois, but sometimes you gotta you have to um do that self care. Yeah. In order to restore yourself to go back and do the work. Yes. And with that, okay. can you tell us? Like how it feels to watch people you support have a voice and resources that they need to impact change in their community. I I mean it feels great yeah. honestly. Yeah. Um, you know I, I come from a background in museums where everyone felt that they had the or the institution had the answer, mm. um, and that people would just kind of come in and learn from, um, you know the this voice that has kind of decided what is culture, what is established, what is right. And so um, what I I love about the work that I do is I'm able to see and support people who um, aren't brilliant, who are really invested in working with people, mm-hmm. um, who have kind of interesting, I won't say answers, but like solutions to kind of challenging problems. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're also able to kind of learn as they go. Yeah. So it's this like evolution of people and ideas, and it's awesome. Well, and and, uh, and awesome starts with A, and so does arrogance. And one oh, thing, oh, my God. Well, Wait. no, but that's the one thing I think that's important in this work is you got to leave your ego kind of mm-hmm. at the door to be open to learning. Right. Yeah, and, and maybe that's that wasn't the culture in the museum. Yeah, yeah, I would say that, and and I also, I mean, you definitely can tell when you're doing this work, or when you encounter people doing this work, um, you know, if they really believe in the practice, mm-hmm. because you do have to leave your ego behind, and you do have to be open to learning from other people and you have to totally be fine with like things not going the way that you think they should. Mm -hmm. Um, But having a goal in mind and really kind of learning through the process so that it is everyone that's kind of going on this journey and not just you. Yes. It's hard though. I ain't even gonna lie. Sometimes it's difficult, you, you know, to check one's self before one wrecks oneself. Wrecks thyself. Yes. Yes. A little, um, what do you call it? The bard. <laughs> oh, Lord. Okay. Okay. Getting back to seriousness. Can you share like your background, you know, and the experience that led you to this position as executive director? Can we call it Loki? Is that right? League uh, the creative. league is probably the league. Easy. The league. Okay. Yeah. Um, so born and raised in New York. Um, was in the arts forever. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, you even went to the art school. I did. Yeah. Yeah. I went to LaGuardia mm-hmm. and was an art major. Thought I was going to go into the sciences and was like working as an intern in this lab at City College testing rats. <laughs> I know, right? 
You don't have to laugh so oh, much. Oh, no, no, no. But what y'all don't understand why this is funny to me, because I have actually deboned like Thanksgiving turkeys for this person who is doing stuff with rats. Is yes. that why? Is that why I'm deboning like, your I turkeys? Just, I can't like handle like things anymore. So, and it was like a hormone study to see how it affects um Learning. Anyway, so I started having nightmares about rats, mm. it, oh. white rats in trench coats. We never so, had this conversation. No, oh my gosh. No, yeah. Because, yeah, we have not. Oh. Um, but um, I left that internship and, and a, a woman um, who was a chair of the department um, said, well, there's this internship at the Met and I think you should try it. And I'd always gone to the Met as a kid with my family. And so it's like, okay. Um, and that's where I learned that people didn't have access mm. because I had always had it. And, you know, I was like some kid growing up on 127th Street mm. in, you know, Harlem when Harlem was not the Harlem of today. Um, you mean like a big bowl of grits with two specks of pepper? <laughs> it didn't have a Starbucks. <laughs> <laughs> um, y'all, y'all say, trash can fires were a real thing. <laughs> trash can like, you know, that whole, like, old school, like, it was before brownstones were revitalized. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so in any case. With Haas and Pfeffer and whatnot. So in any case, so living there, you know, I thought everybody went. And then it wasn't until this internship that I realized that's not the case. And not just stop laughing. It's not just for brown people. <laughs> No, but like for everyone, like yeah. there, are, there's a whole kind of, there's a population that goes and then there's everyone else. And mm. so at that moment I was like, this is what I want to do. Yeah. Um, well, it, well, back up, um, yes. like from the people in your like circle of influence, like how many like percentage wise would you guesstimate were museum goers and not? Well, see, I had a very, um, kind of specific existence. So mm-hmm. my aunt was a, um, she worked for corporate America, but she was also painting and doing photography at the same time. And she would take me to like all the museums and Broadway productions. Um, so my friends probably didn't go, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But I went and I didn't know they didn't go. Mm-hmm. And then in arts high school, like everybody was doing that, mm-hmm. you know, because like we had all of the disciplines at the at the school. So we, I, you know, I had, oh gosh, I was dating a guy who like sang at the opera. What? So you know, it's not. It was normal. It wasn't until I was. Um, really kind of working with kids and it was like, oh wait, this isn't normal. Mm-hmm. And so I really have always believed that. And how old were you when that, when you came to that realization about? 16. Okay. So I've been doing this since then, which is a long time ago, but mm-hmm. so yeah, now I'm having an existential crisis. In any case. We have one. Yeah. So. <laughs> okay all right hold on did i stop this thing or is it still going i don't know it says recording oh. in progress okay um y'all just um, you got, got an example flag it right so you can edit okay um y'all did just got just an example me? of i literally just bought this microphone today and just i thought it was following my ear and i just called my friend who i'm interviewing <laughs> on this couch so Oh my. Yeah, we are comfortable in making mistakes. Yes. This is an actual example, and I don't think it should be edited out because we want more people to talk about. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Just just keep it on going. There but we you go. were you were talking about when you were sixteen or seventeen and made this realization mm-hmm. that not all of your friends or young people that you knew mm-hmm. um had this exposure. Yeah. Yeah, and so and then kind of having conversations with people more and more like learning that like even adults didn't have it so you know the front of the met is a very it uses classical architecture mm-hmm. um a lot of people thought it was a bank or a post office yeah and so um i honestly ha- have believe in and continue to believe that culture belongs to everyone and so anyone and everyone should be in these spaces looking at these amazing objects, being inspired by them, finding their space in there and adding to um, 
kind of the discussion about around communities and culture and society and what we value. And so I worked in museums for a long time. Um, in New York, I worked at the Whitney, the Met, and the Studio Museum. I left New York to come to Charleston mm-hmm. um, to be the... What year did you come to Charleston? Two, no, two, 2006. Mm-hmm. I had to do it by birthdays. Mm. Um, so and came to be the director of education at the Gibbs Museum. Um and then was here for a while and then got remarried and moved to Charleston where I was at Charlotte? the Gant- Charlotte, yes, yeah. where mm-hmm. I was at the Gantt Center. Mm-hmm. Um, this director of education there. And then probably about two a year and a half, almost two years into that, um, I decided to leave mm-hmm. and was doing a lot of consulting work, um, working with curators, I mean, collectors initially kind of um, documenting their collections, but always kind of thinking about contemporary artists yeah. um, and the pra- their practice and how to increase their access to these spaces because oftentimes they're excluded. Mm-hmm. But then also uh, really thinking about who in contemporary art is missing from these spaces. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I uh, do a lot of curation and then um, was mentoring one of the fellows mm-hmm. who was a part of the league. Um, and then they kind of transitioned into a nonprofit, Mm -hmm. um, that wanted an executive director. And honestly, I saw it and I was like, eh, okay. Cause I was kind of in like this moment of, uh, introspection and maybe a little funk, Mm -hmm. um, and saw it, but wasn't going to apply for it. And then it just like, people just kept, like, it just kept popping up, Mm -hmm. um, and so I said, fine, I'll apply. And here I am today. Yay. Just about a year in, I think in a oh, couple yeah, days. Because we were talking about this like last December. Yeah. yeah. So It was a secret then. It was a secret then. <laughs> I can keep a secret, America. <laughs> so yeah. So um, I'm, I'm so glad. And um, just like having known you for almost, well, more than 10 years now. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like the work you know, and stuff that we did while you were here in Charleston. Mm-hmm. I'm just happy that this is where you are because it, it um, represents, I think, what, you know, like what you were expressing when I when I knew you here. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank yes. you. Yes. <laughs> okay. So um, uh, can you tell us more about the history of the league? Sure. It was uh, founded in 2014 in San Francisco by an artist mm-hmm. uh, named Hunter Franks. Yeah. Um, he did and does a lot of creative placemaking mm-hmm. um, and was like doing collaborative projects and really kind of saw that there were artists who are out there who were doing the work, mm-hmm. uh, but it often is a, a lonely kind of practice, or right. it can be. Right. Um, and, and that there was a need to support them, both like in mentorship and in money or dollars. Mm -hmm. And so um, the organization became an organization in 2017, um, became a nonprofit. Mm -hmm. um, And we, I came on in 2018. Oh, yeah. So you're, yeah. So you're um, early in the history. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially as a nonprofit organization. Well, and I, I had a like a follow up question, but I want to back up for people that don't know what um, creative placemaking is. Can you tell us about that? Mm-hmm. So I think the easiest way, because there's so many definitions first, and that's a huge thing. There's so many kind of definitions or way people think about creative placemaking. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say for me, the easiest definition is when you creatively think about, transform, um, or alter space Mm -hmm. in a way that brings people together or serves kind of a social need. Mm -hmm. And so um, I think oftentimes now there's this conversation about murals being creative placemaking. And in a way, it's, uh, I think it's a very... It might be like the first step in placemaking, right? It's, it, while it 
it visually changes community or, or mm-hmm. like it puts a mark on community. It doesn't necessarily engage community and bring them together and foster kind of critical dialogue or, you know, kind of transform the space in a way that benefits the people that live there all the time. Yeah. Um, I think you just drive up one day and now the side of the building is purple. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I mean, it can be that. And mm-hmm. there are examples, I think, of, of murals that go beyond that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think at a very rudimentary level, when we talk about placemaking, the first thing that people think of are murals. Mm-hmm. But I think it, I know it goes way beyond that. And mm-hmm. it really is a way to affect how people interact with each other and the space that they're in, in a positive way. Yeah. Yeah. So... Like uh, creative placemaking mm-hmm. builds a space that people want to go to and want to be a part of. Well, it yes, mm-hmm. and um, you know, creative placemaking can alter spaces that people already go to to make them safer, mm-hmm. um, to make them more comfortable. To affect how they interact in those spaces. So it, it kind of functions and it, it depends honestly on it, the intention, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But we know that it's people-centered. Mm-hmm. We know that it's about space mm-hmm. and that kind of creative transformation of that place. So like using your mural um, example... Not all murals are creative placemaking then. And well, my... well, well, have the depth that that the league is interested in. Is that it? Am I? I can I understand where you're. Yes and no. Right. Mm-hmm. So just putting a mural up, no. Right. A mural that is takes months to execute, maybe mm-hmm. even a year. Mm-hmm. Where um, communities have come together, had conversations, met with the artists, learned about creative process, talked about what the mural could represent, mm-hmm. um, had people engage in creating it along with the artists mm-hmm. that instills a sense of community ownership and pride. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... Again, I think there's this spectrum. Mm-hmm. And, and the whole point is, is there engagement? Is there ownership? Is there transformation? Yeah. So it, so if you want engagement, ownership, and transformation, you have to engage the community. Yeah, you're doing it for the community. Mm-hmm. It's not, and it's not even for the community, it's with the community. With the community. And so if they are absent, if no one wanted it, if you put something up that everyone is upset about, Mm -hmm. that's not placemaking. That's um, space grabbing. Space grabbing. Taking, because ultimately you're taking energy, positivity, and in some cases space away from the people that are there. Mm -hmm. And so the work that we do um, supports creatives and who are fellows who are have a, their kind of vision about community engagement mm-hmm. is in line with ours right their mission and vision is in line with ours mm-hmm. and they are really about working with the people that they often live with already interact with yeah that is good um and that is um You know, I just think a lot about how, I don't know if it's technology or like social ills have gotten us so like disconnected the way you say that fellows could be, that um, it's it's good there are like efforts like yours that are bringing people back together in creative, interventionalized ways. (laughs) Okay. Um, Thank you. Um, Yes. So, like, when we talk about, you know, plays, making, and murals, like, uh, uh, I became a fellow Mm -hmm. this year. And um, how did Fresh Future Farm, like, hit your radar Um, within the league? Right. Okay. So, one of the things 
there are a couple of, of reasons. One, we always think about creativity, mm. right? So we look at people around the country who are um, really kind of using creative means to solve community challenges or to engage with community. Um, and so you actually went through the process of submitting an application mm -hmm. proposal, just like all of the other fellows. Right. Um, and what we look for is really um, a practice that is reflective of our mission, mm -hmm. um, because a lot of people can kind of talk about it. But if you do not already have a practice in place that demonstrates that work, mm -hmm. um, you know, we may be inclined to follow you and see where you're going. Mm -hmm. But we really, we we really want to support people who have already started the work and are doing this work because we don't want to, I think there's, for a few reasons, there are a lot of people who talk about doing this work mm -hmm. um, who do not engage community yet. Right. Um, and that's fine, that's where you are. Um, the way that our model works, we can encourage people through connections with our fellows to mm -hmm. kind of learn process. Mm -hmm. But what we are I really want to be aware of is how we don't want to harm community. Mm -hmm. And so we also don't think that we own the creative process. So while we support certain like fellows who apply and mm -hmm. they get through the process to do the work, we also believe in empowering people along the way who might not be a part of the fellowship program yet to do this work and to start thinking about um, methodologies and best practices um, and what community looks like mm -hmm. um, and what, you know, responsible storytelling looks like, all of those things mm -hmm. so that because we can't be in all places, right? we shouldn't be in all places. Mm -hmm. If this work is going to truly transform our cities, then everyone should be empowered to do it. But we really kind of support people who are embracing best practice and have unique ideas. So I think the thing that was attractive about Fresh Future Farm is, is a few things. One, it addressed a very clear community challenge. Mm -hmm. um, you know, food apartheid in North Charleston in a community who has not had a grocery store for over a decade. Mm -hmm. um, but it went beyond just... Um, having a farm, right? Right. Uh, the thing that was attractive is this kind of responding to uh, a changing demographic mm -hmm. and understanding that recording the history of the area um, is critically important to, one, in some ways, keeping families there, mm -hmm. um, but then also making sure that a, a whole community is not forgotten as Charleston changes. Yeah. And so this like interest in finding creative ways to do that in particular through storytelling was attractive. Um, but then also the idea that there is a clear site where this work is taking place. Um, so in even thinking creatively about space, right? So it's a farm, but what else is happening there? There's yoga that's happening there. There's these dance programs that are happening there. You know, there's camps where people are learning like how to like cook and, mm -hmm. and grow, right? Mm -hmm. It's intergenerational. Mm -hmm. And so there was already this history of, of thinking creatively about place and once you have people kind of involved how do you continue to speak to their needs as a community mm -hmm. um also the fact that visual art is so much a part of the 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 farm itself um i mean there's no there's <laughs> almost no surface that is not painted <laughs> with like a mural i mean the side of the farm store you know like the compost tumblers yeah. like Palafins. Yeah, there's art everywhere. And so even this idea of, you know, and the artwork looks like the people that live there. Yeah. Yeah. And it is ex except people, for the R2D2. Well, um, well, but you know, but it's but that's just um well well Which is fun, yeah. Actually. Oh, and the funniest thing um that happened. You know, I was like standing at the door of the farm store and I just see like a fire department like car like barreling towards like that back gate. I'm like, 
is there a fire over there? And he immediately makes his turn, gets out the car to take a picture. (laughs) R2-D2. R2-D2, just because because of the way that the compost tumbler sits. I was like, it looks like R2-D2. Let's paint it to make it look more like that. So it it doesn't have to be anything specific. And I think um, the mural, um, it looks like people um, who live in the neighborhood and there are people who live in right. the neighborhood right. who are on the mural. Right. So yeah. there's this practice of empowering community. There's this practice of transforming that the place itself into mm-hmm. it, it. It is like an oasis mm-hmm. in the middle of the city. Mm-hmm. And this very kind of strategic thought about, so what do we do next? Yeah. So that really is how... Um, the farm kind of got on our, our radar, mm-hmm. you know, and the also being able to articulate what your intentions were mm-hmm. is critical. And it, what is fantastic is that because the fellowship is national and because there are, um, we in the past, people that we've worked with who have told, have like a storytelling background, whether it's through writing plays mm-hmm. that are, are are kind of created by community, mm-hmm. the community that they're in, mm-hmm. um, or, you know, poets and, and other people who, who use the word as their craft, mm-hmm. we're able to, it's a resource that we know we have mm-hmm. and can connect you as a fellow to, to really make sure that, that the project is successful. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so I think those are some of the key reasons. Well, um, you know, I'm I'm always honored and excited to be, like, mixed up in whatever, like, cafe drink, coffee drink that you have going on in your life. <laughs> but um, can you tell us about some of the other League fellows around the country, like mm-hmm. some of the different things that they're doing? Sure. So in Charleston... Is you yeah in Charlotte because mm-hmm. these two C names are going to drive me bananas. Um, uh, Brandon, who you met, yes. Brandon Rees is also a farmer, but has a totally different perspective. Right. Um, he founded um, an organization that uses explores herbs and um, kind of plants of the diaspora, mm-hmm. and he works with communities to grow uh, herbs and some food products or food plants that are indigenous to where they're from Mm -hmm. or relates to their kind of cultural background. Right. And then teaches them how to create medicines from those plants and thinking about health and community. Mm -hmm. Um, Alex Alcorn um, is interested in making a mobile maker station. So taking creativity to the community, but with a real kind of attention to repurposing materials that are of that community mm-hmm. and that people have access to, yeah. um, which is fantastic because she is interested in environmental issues, mm-hmm. but then she's also really kind of looking at creativity and how to maintain creativity in these communities. Because often when we think about art making, um, a lot of programs will bring in like, oh, we're going to bring in these crayons and these like digital cameras and these like iPads and all these things, which is fantastic to make work. But that's not sustainable if you live in a community where or your household mm-hmm. cannot afford to 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 kind of secure these art making materials mm-hmm. to continue your practice. Right. When you and you're um, maybe even throwing art making materials in the trash. Right. Yeah. So she's really kind of invested in looking at what people have in their space, how to decrease our um, landfill contributions, Mm -hmm. but then also foster creativity. And it's a practice that a lot of people have, right? So if you do, I mean, there's stuff like that we all kind of like save, like, um, you know, like we all in school did like the little... What was it like the little um, plate turkeys and you could like take toilet paper rolls and make them into things and macaroni mm. necklace, mm-hmm. all those kinds of things. Right. Mm-hmm. And then we let that go. Now we're what she's. What is the What is the thing we do with the shoe box? What is that? You called? always make a diorama. Yes. yes. 
Mm-hmm. I kept I held on to my kids for a long time. Yes. I don't know where they're at right now. Yeah. yeah. But like you, we had the practice of recycling. Mm-hmm. Um, and even as kids, we would like take random things and make things. Right. So it's kind of celebrating that it, it's it's really making creativity accessible. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's popping up in spaces that people frequent or are comfortable in or own. Right. You don't mm-hmm. have to go. To what does it mean to have someone come to your neighborhood set up like at the base of the park versus kind of requiring you to go to an institution? Even mm-hmm. if that institution is the library, we don't we don't know people's uh, relationships with spaces. Mm-hmm. So, yes, we can do things at the library. Yes, we can do things at the community center. But, yes, we can also, on a day where it's not 30 degrees, <laughs> go outside to the park open up a van, pull out some tables, and make things. And you know what? Remember hmm. when we did that? Um, for, oh my for gosh, Christmas. yes. Yes, we made wreaths at the the, the, the mini farm. Yeah, the, the community garden. Yes. Out of like found, like nature materials. Yes. Yeah, that the kids could take home. That's funny. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so, so you know, you talked about like Brandon and Alex. Are there mm-hmm. any other different kinds of uh, fellows around the country? Yeah, so we are working on um, starting a fellowship program in Denver that will uh, address the teen suicide mm-hmm. in Denver, which is a is an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, that will be in some urban, or excuse me, or storytelling, mm-hmm. um, but kind of restorative narratives right. and, and helping people kind of think about like this place or this space where they were able to work through or come out of, or someone intervened, mm-hmm. right? Because oftentimes we, we talk about things internally, but there are, are places that we occupy where we are transformed. And so that'll be um, kind of a, a storytelling project, but it'll exist digitally. And so we're working through like how that operates in space and what that looks like. Yeah. Um, in Ohio and Akron, um, we have a chapter. Um, we have a project lead, Sequoia, um, mm-hmm. Finney, but we do not have fellows active right now because uh, two years ago now, we built, or almost two years ago, um, we built a temporary park mm-hmm. um, on the Interbelt like Highway. Like a parklet? Yeah, bigger than a parklet. Okay. Right? <laughs> so, um, a park lot. A park lot, yes. <laughs> and so we've been working with the city of Akron. Um, the, I always get the name confused, the Ohio and Erie Canalway folks. Um, and a few other organizations to make it more permanent. So it'd be a semi-permanent kind of 10-year build. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we really wanted to do was to get the park completed because mm-hmm. we're passing stewardship over to people in Akron. Again, yeah. the whole idea of ownership, we don't need to, we don't need to manage a park. Um, and if we're doing, we don't need to do the work forever. Yeah. And so we will have a call for new fellows next year. Okay. Well, um, is there, is there anything on the West coast? I'm, I need to find my notes. There's something you said yesterday. We currently do not have anything on the West coast, which is odd because we're founded on the West coast. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think part of that is, has been as we kind of evolved into a nonprofit and I came on as executive director, it was really important to think strategically as an an organization. Mm -hmm. Um, So to look at some of our active chapters, there have been different models for Mm -hmm. the fellowship program, really like drilling down into what has been most successful for fellows um, from their perspective. Yeah. Um, Thinking as an organization about what makes us unique. Mm -hmm. Um, and really like developing our strategic plan. So a lot of this year, in addition to supporting our fellows and, and looking at some of the chapters, um, has been really about strategic planning and how to make the organization a strong organization. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so it's defining like where you plan to go. Yeah, and, mm-hmm. and just, you know. And, and who you're going with. Yes. Okay. And how do we support? Because, I th- you know, dollars are easy to give to people. Mm-hmm. Mentorship in a real way is not. Mm-hmm. So really thinking about how we supporting the fellows. Yeah. Um, this idea of a league. So how are we connecting people across the country yeah. and in other places? Yeah. Um, and how do we really kind of shore up and make sure that our fellows, because they're not just fellows. Right. They really are a part of this league. So um, making sure that they feel grounded in it, especially during a transition. Mm-hmm. So that as we move into 2020, we are all moving into 2020. Yeah. We all are fully aware of what we're doing. Mm-hmm. We um, have kind of gone through this year of transition from a founded organization, right? So mm-hmm. going from a founder to an executive director at mm-hmm. any organization that is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, and so making sure that we did that strategically and responsibly to the organization so that as we move out of this first year, mm-hmm. We know where we're going. Yeah. We know what we're doing. Yeah, and 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 uh, you know, like I, my next question was about the annual convening mm-hmm. that's like happening or uh, wrapping up tomorrow mm-hmm. here in Charleston. Mm-hmm. And as a brand new fellow, like being here with Brandy, Brandon, <laughs> Quinn, Brandon, Quinn, and Alex, like I've met people like that I want to collaborate with. Um, in the future Mm -hmm. and what was comforting like besides like all of the really good information that y'all were giving us is you something that you said uh yesterday the league supports change because you Mm -hmm. could you go in with an idea that you're going to change the world and something outside of your control happens Mm -hmm. and you have to pivot right um as long as there's like consistent conversation with you in the league then the the fellow is supported Mm -hmm. that is um super comforting i think um as somebody who gets funds and like writes a proposal and you know if something changes as long as there's forward progress that you know i guess fits within the mission Mm -hmm. we're still good right because we're working with people and so to assume that (laughs) not only one person, but a collective of people mm-hmm. are going to go linearly down any path. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's setting you up for failure. Yeah. So if you, if there is a clear vision. Yeah. Right. If changes need to be made in response to real things, right, real challenges, mm-hmm. you know, if you're working outside, like we are, and the weather changes suddenly, Sheesh. and you can't break ground in October. It needs to go to to April or March, depending on what Ohio looks like in the winter mm-hmm. or spring, whenever that happens to come. Yeah. What are you doing though to keep the project moving forward? What have you learned? Mm-hmm. How are you applying what you learned? Are you still including community along the way? Or it, and is that change informed by community? Mm-hmm. And how do you see you all as a collective emerging on the other side? Yeah. Well, and, and, and why that's you know such a big deal is, you know, a lot of funders, you know, don't allow that kind of leeway. Mm-hmm. So, so like for the league to be a place where, you know, fellows who are, doing this transformative, not transactional work, because mm-hmm. um, transformation is difficult. Mm-hmm. So for there to be a, 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 an organization that supports um, transition or uh, transformation as it really happens mm-hmm. is a big old deal. Now, um, I know like after talking to you and, and hearing about how amazing the league is, like how would somebody who is interested in becoming a fellow reach out to y'all? There's a variety of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, we, you can go on our website, join our mailing list, and kind of see what we're up to. We're mm-hmm. on Facebook and Instagram. Yeah, and how are you? What What are they to What are they like? Type in that 
that box up there. Okay, so I, I farm. I don't do technology. <laughs> so <laughs> whatever that box is that called, box up there. What box? Like oh, like in the search bar. Search box. Search, search bar. How do you how do you Google like you <laughs> to be able to like okay do that? So each chap. So there's a couple things. Okay. So our general web website is creativeinterventionist.com. Okay. And it will take you to the league and it will show you kind of what we're up to. At the mm-hmm. bottom of the page, you have to join our newsletter box situation. And mm-hmm. you can just type in and join. Yeah. Also on our website, um, you'll find information about our fellows and the projects that they're doing. But then also there's a happenings tab yeah. that takes you to all of the scheduled events thus far. Yeah. Right, it's a ever changing and expanding calendar right. um, of events that are happening in all of the chapters. Mm, uh-huh. So you can be anywhere in the country. You can see what is happening that's mm. league related, mm-hmm. um, and sign up to attend. Yeah. Um, if you want to like find us on uh, social media, um, we are League of CI on Instagram. And then each of the chapters has a page, so you can look specifically what they're up to. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's their city. It's like their, um, I think it's their airport derivation. Yes, because ours is like hashtag CHS. Yes. Yeah. So it's their their airport call letters, if that's what you call their derivation. So so Charlotte is C L T L O C I. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can see what they're up to. What's mm-hmm. fun about that page is that it's managed by um, our project lead. So you kind of get different flavors from the cities, which is important, mm-hmm. right? It's yeah. a reflection of actually there. Yeah. We're on Facebook, um, League of Creative Interventionists, and then the cities have their own. Yeah. Um, but what I encourage people to do if they're interested is to really come out for we have already on the calendar for Charlotte at least and we'll be working on it in our other cities um quarterly meeting or bi-monthly meetings with the community mm-hmm. and each conversation is guided by um, a theme yeah and so this year our themes are in not the correct order I'll yeah. say that now solidarity mm-hmm. action justice and restoration and so the community and everybody in the community is invited to come out um, to the fellows will facilitate activities and conversations around each of those themes, what it means to the people from community. And when I say community, it's everyone. Right. Mm-hmm. So we have um, expansive kind of definitions of community. When we say it, we're not just talking about a particular neighborhood mm-hmm. or a particular demographic. Yeah. Right. So everyone is invited to come out to have conversation and those conversations will inform our interventions, which are kind of public um, creative interventions where we mix stuff up Mm -hmm. to encourage even a a broader range of people to consider some of these ideas. Okay. So if you're interested in learning about the league, I would come to those. And if Um, you, and if at one of these like Mm bi-monthly meetings, Mm -hmm. you say, and are inspired to start a conversation about being a fellow yeah they come and talk to you yes talk to me talk to the project lead so um or any of the fellows they can they're empowered to like tell you about their experience Mm -hmm. um to kind of hear what you're doing right um they'll likely refer someone who's interested in in the fellowship to either Quinn or I depending on where they are or Sequoia or I however it works out Mm -hmm. um but then also we do open up applications in the spring. Okay. And so if they're on the mailing list, um, they will receive an announcement that we're about to open our applications in the particular cities. Okay. Well, um, I, I hope that people like listen to this podcast and are inspired, especially because there's so many people that are already doing this work mm-hmm. that are you know, probably feeling isolated. And to know that there's an organization like the League of Creative Interventionists that's going to help support you in your work and tell you how or show you how you can measure your work in order to get like ongoing support Mm -hmm. is great. 
So, um, can I just say one thing? Yes. So, our fellows are men, women, uh, folks who do not identify as either. Right. Um, varying ages, varying financial backgrounds. Um, we are not looking for a particular type of person right. in that way. Mm-hmm. We're looking for people who truly are invested in community and reflect the communities um, that they're interested in working in. Okay. Well, and that, and by being so open in that way, um, the league is stronger. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, you have, it's a, it's a lot of, like, varied opinions varied works and varied results right well not varied results varied outcomes outcomes but they're gonna be results or else you can't that be a fellow yeah so 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 in order (laughs) or, or in order for you to stay connected you know there have to be not the same way that you know traditional funders are asking you to measure outcomes but there have to be outcomes there have correct. There has to be outcomes because what we are not going to do is to um, not provide. If we say we're going to collaborate with a community, if we say that we're going to have an impact, if you start those conversations, which should already, in honest, yeah. like honestly, be happening, what we will not do is to make a promise to a community and not show up and not do the work. Yeah. That that will not happen because yeah. that affects people in real space who live there Mm -hmm. it affects um even future partnerships and collaborations and we do not support that right so there will be outcomes yes yeah um what that look like may shift um but we really take that seriously um because we take the work seriously yeah Wade in the water. No, she did not. Wade in the water, children. Wade. No, you didn't do the air thing. What is crazy? So I didn't call you. (laughs) The league is troubling the water. Oh my goodness. Okay. Um. Last question. Yes. This is November 2019. Yes. Where do you see um the league in November 2020? Taking over the world. Taking over the world. Um, where do I see the league in 2020? I think um, one of the, the the cool things is that we have really been able to look at Charlotte as a model. Mm-hmm. Um, and to, to look at the... Because we've had different ways of, of working the program. Um, but to really kind of look at it in... Like I'm right there mm-hmm. and able to kind of see how it's functioning to get feedback. And so to take a lot of what we have learned and and to use that as a model in other places. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, for 2020, we're really excited because we um, are working. We've, we've spent 2019 kind of working on a soft uh, strategic plan, right? So getting us ready to work on a strategic plan. Mm-hmm. Um, so we recently uh, received funding from um, an organization to do um, to take on a consultant to help us with strategic planning. That's great. And so we're going to spend from now until the spring really defining, like having someone work with us to look at what we have been doing, finding out our gaps. And to strategically address those. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's super exciting. Yes. Um, We are working to develop advisory boards around uh, the country. Um, Because we serve in a national capacity, we want to make sure that we are um, hearing people and receiving feedback from around the country. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, you know, homelessness, for example, is an issue. But what it looks like in San Francisco Mm -hmm. is so different from what it looks like in in Charlotte and in Charleston. Yeah. yeah. And so to to have people who are connected to different folks who are on um, kind of different perspectives and grounds and levels to really kind of inform that um, our, our practice to make sure that 
we are being reflective of, of those issues. Um, and I think having another awesome convening in 2020, um, you know, the convening I think is so important because it makes sure that everyone kind of is on the same level when it comes to best practice and our expectations. Yes. Um, it, I think, allows for people to learn from each other mm-hmm. and we to build relationships yes. so that now, you know, you all, we don't have to facilitate your relationship. Like you can call someone and say, hey, like Brandon is like, hey, like he's explaining your planning process. He's like, hey, you know, I've kind of learned how to do this new way of planting trees. But he can call you and have these conversations. Or y'all are already talking about seed exchanges. Mm-hmm. So that crops that can't grow in North Carolina simply because somehow or another a few hours away makes it too cold. Mm-hmm. They can grow here. Yeah. And there's this exchange that's already happening. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. And so we want to do that. And another big thing for 2020, um, as we think about those relationships, how to activate our alumni, Mm -hmm. um, and to really kind of create a portal on our website so that people who may not have had an opportunity to be a fellow or just interested in the work, but at the fellowship Mm -hmm. can kind of tap in and learn from everyone who has been through the program or the current fellows. Mm -hmm. So it becomes in a way, um, a public brain trust around this work. Brain trust. Oh, he yes. was expensive. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, let me thank you again. Um, thank you, Janelle. Thank you. And thank you. And thank you, uh, folks who are, are tuning into this <laughs> for um, listening to Two Peas in a Podcast with Jermaine this is Jenkins. Hilarious. Well, but I, I where that name is like so like great. I can't even deal with it. I thought of it, and yesterday Janelle said that I should have been in what Piara. Yes. Yes. Well, I'm accepting that and just you know applying that at the farm, and 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 just uh you know like we so like kind of freely like freestyle that mm-hmm. everybody like is doing that kind of stuff because you know like Adrian who is our farm manager, just came up with an artistic thing that we can do in the farm right as you were leaving today. Oh, that's great. I know. But um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's great. And, and I hope that folks that listen to this podcast will be inspired um, to reach out to the folks that we interview. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you like the show, please leave a review and tell your friends about um, Two Peas in a Podcast. If you want to know more about what we talked about in our episodes, check out uh, whatever uh, freshteacherfarm.org like website tag we have for this. And it looks like it's going to be freshteacherfarm.org backslash two peas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so join us next time when we discuss how white men can lead from behind as accomplices for social justice. Thank you. Yes, thank you. <laughs> we did it. Three minutes. I, I just pray that when we stop this episode, like that, I will have recorded it in the in the video. No, that's hilarious. The green light is on, so hopefully, like high five on this first one in the first one in the bucket. Lord, okay, bye. <laughs>